is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 169 of the Rebel Author Podcast. And I tell you, there could not be a more serendipitous episode number than 169 for today's intro. But I'll get to that in a moment. Today, I'm speaking to Amelia Rose all about subscriptions, Patreon, memberships for authors. And it is a cracking episode. And Amelia is ridiculously inspirational. So yeah, we will get to that in a moment. The uh, First of all, the question of the week, which was, tell me something positive. So we've got Eden Collier who said, so I've got a few positive things. One, a baby puffin is called a puffling. Oh, I love that. Uh, Norway once knighted a penguin. What the fuck? They knight... I need... Like, if this is a historical story, please actually tell it to me. I'm very interested. And uh, number three, a pig's orgasm can last up to half an hour. (laughs) What? How do we... Can humans have that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Torna says, I am setting up a new website and building it myself. That's incredible. I am most interested in mystery, but I procrastinate with poems and short stories of speculative fiction. Much of my time is involved in illustration and sculpture, and Torna is ridiculously talented as well. I've seen some of her artwork. In addition, one website and one pen name is daunting enough for me, at least for now. HC underscore Fitzpatrick says, Positives, I've had two aha moments that set up two characters in future books in my current world and they broke the dam on my plots. Fuck yeah, they did. I love that. Uh, Wordarella says, Super episode. I also loved the Adams Family and Beetlejuice as a kid. Yeah, you did. Uh, And my husband was very startled to have only recently found that out. (laughs) How? (laughs) My positive thing this week is that I found a new printer for my stationery shop where I can have a better product for less overhead. Oh, that is a fucking win. Uh, So my writers get a better journal without a price increase. So I'm geeked about it. That is incredible. Kerry Hardisky said, loved this episode. Something positive. My tiny rebel started a new speech therapy program just before school started and her vocabulary has exploded in a few short months. And boy, has she got, <laughs> boy, has she gotten sassy. Oh, I love that. I absolutely, absolutely love hearing this. Um, okay. Catherine O'Sullivan Brown said, great episode. Something positive. My four-year-old no now knows all the words to Merry Christmas Everyone uh, by Shaken Stevens and it's so funny and so cute listening to her sing along in the back seat every time we get in the car now it's put the bar dum dum song on mummy oh that is so cute I love that oh these things definitely bring me joy I have loved this and um so this week's question is along the same lines but it is technically different so the question that I'm asking today is is tell me something you love about yourself. Okay, so this is the point that I would normally do the book recommendation, but instead we're gonna pause a minute and we're going to do the uh, personal update. 
Now let me warn you, this is going to be a slightly longer intro than normal because today I am going to reveal what I have been doing if I can get a grip of my voice and not sound like a fucking mouse. <laughs> I'm just so excited to share this. So as you know, I've been a bit of a dick recently because I've been super secretive and I've not been telling anybody anything, uh, but there was like a reason for that. And um, I have now posted this on Patreon and I'm gonna use my post as kind of a uh, guide to talk you through this so that I don't go off the walls <laughs> squealing about all kinds of stuff. But in 2021, if you're, if you're up to date, you will probably know some of this, but you won't know the reveal. So in the summer of 2021, I read a sapphic young adult book, sapphic meaning, um, you know, in including any type of woman who loves or dates or sleeps with another woman. Uh, that's probably not the correct definition, but it's the definition I'm using for the sake of the podcast. So I read a young adult book and it shattered my brain. I mean, literally, it was like I had this giant fucking awakening, realizing that um, there were books with people like me in them. And I had for a long time stopped feeling anything about books. And I, and we always joke about me being dead on the inside. But of course, uh, there's a reason for that, because I don't, well, I hadn't really been feeling a lot of things about books and fiction. And um, so it was a revelation to me that I could see myself in a book. And of course, I wanted more. It was like crack, right? Like I was completely hooked immediately. So I binge read dozens and dozens of um, sapphic young adult books. And then um, I ground to a halt and realized that I was bored. And why was that? Well, look, here's the thing that for what it's worth, I don't think there's anything wrong with Sapphic Young Adult. I'm actually going to, well, I've already written a Sapphic Young Adult book. But what I realized is that it's all clean and sweet. And I don't think it's much of a leap for any of you listening to realize that I am neither clean nor fucking sweet. There is no part of me. I mean, I have been described in a variety of ways. None of them have ever included clean and sweet. So um, I needed to find something a little bit more me, but I still wanted the, um, I still wanted to be seen. I still wanted to see myself in fiction. And then I stumbled across uh, Queen Takes Rose by Katie Robert, uh, which is, um, I guess it's, I don't know if it's erotica or if it's just like really spicy um, romance, but sorry for my uh, WhatsApp there. I don't know. Yeah. I, so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very steamy anyway. And um, it was the first adult book that I read that had um, a lesbian romance in it. Actually, that's not true. I had read some indie authors, uh, lesbian romances, but this was a long time ago and I hadn't, I wasn't really in the right headspace to kind of read them for what they were. Anyway, this particular book kind of trod the line between uh, contemporary and fantasy because it's based on like, uh, I guess, Disney villains. Anyway, you should go check it out. And what it did was it opened up fantasy romance to me. Now, I hadn't really read fantasy romance before. And as you know, I fucking love fantasy and I fucking love romance. How the fantasy romance genre had eluded me for this many years, I don't really know. But anyway... <laughs> Suffice to say, it opened a can of worms and I fell down the rabbit hole hard. 
and I read a lot of straight fantasy romance. I was reading steamy shit. I was reading less steamy, steamy shit. I was reading spicy stuff. I was reading dark stuff, sweary stuff. And fuck me if it didn't feel like the warmest, homiest home I had ever encountered. Like, oh my goodness me. It was like desire and chocolate and fucking orgasms. It was everything that I wanted. Um, but that's not what Sasha's known for. And it's not what I was writing fiction wise. And yeah, okay, like if we if we look at my nonfiction, of course, it's sweary. Of course, there's dick jokes in there. There's sarcasm. So that kind of aspect fitted me. Um, but as you guys know, the last four years were extremely difficult for me with fiction. I had basemented in a lot of my strengths. Come on, come on, everyone drink. We all knew I wasn't going to get through this fucking episode without talking about strengths. Uh, but I had, I had a lot of wounds, like strength wounds that needed dealing with in order to help me with my fiction. And I had lost pretty much all of my confidence with uh, my fiction. And that's why it took me so fucking long to finish uh, Trey. So, you know, I, if I'm being honest, I really did drag myself over that finish line. And I was kind of like limping and bleeding. And I, if I, total uh, openness here, the sales reflected that. And that's fine. You know, that series, I didn't, I, I tried to put too much stuff into it. I tried to, I made a lot of rookie mistakes. I'm extraordinarily proud of that series. And you can see how much I grew from start to end in it. But also, like, I wanted to do it right this time. Um, so I realized that somewhere along the line, I had really fallen foul and I'd lost the joy of writing. And like, when you, if you have been around for any amount of time, you may have read uh, my annual review posts where I always include the picture of me on my worst day in my corporate job. Um, or you may have been around long enough to have read my quit post, uh, like I quit my job post. And I'll include that in the show notes as well. But um, the thing is, is that I came to this industry because I was in pain and because I wanted to play with my inner two-year-old, like I wanted my inner two-year-old to write fiction and to be full of joy and just escape. And, but here's the thing, right? What I've learned through coaching is that somewhere down the line, I stopped loving myself. I was functioning, I was existing to do the work, pay the bills and keep everyone, you know, alive. And like, I'm not going to open a can of worms here and talk about all of the ins and outs of it. But suffice to say, I realized that I didn't actually love myself. And I wasn't proud of myself. And I didn't think that I was worthy or valuable or that what I was giving the world was valuable. And you can hear the pain in my voice, which is why I'm not going to go into huge amounts of detail because, you know, that's all my own bullshit to deal with. Suffice to say, I have moved on from that. Obviously, it still hurts me, but I am growing through it. And like, I think this is just another reminder that what you see on the outside is what people want to show you. And it isn't always a person's truth on the inside. Doesn't mean they're not being authentic. It just means they're not always showing you all of themselves. We are a multitude of different aspects and elements of ourselves, right? And all of those bits are worthy and valid and they can all exist like simultaneously, but you can't always show all of yourself to everybody. Anyway, 
what I want to say here is that if you feel this way, just know that I see you and that I understand. And yeah, so this anyway shifted something inside me. This was a huge fucking realization. And I was so done hating myself. I was so done letting other people's judgment seep into my mind and influence my own judgment of myself. And it's interesting because uh, with the Black Heron episodes, Rachel and I are reading uh, Happy Money by Ken Honda at the moment. And I was reading last night and he said something that just fucking fried my brain. The bullies are just in their minds. The person who is really judging them is themselves. And I was just like, fuck me. This is exactly what I have learnt, that it was me. It was me this whole time. I was the one judging me. I was the one telling me I wasn't good enough, telling me I hadn't worked hard enough, telling me that um, I would never write well enough, I would... I, uh, what I'd written wasn't worthy, wasn't valuable, that I wasn't lovable, all of this other bullshit. And so it it was, I mean, it's huge. It's a huge monumental shift for me. And I realised that if that was the case, if it was me who was judging me, then I needed to love me first. I We all need to love ourselves first. You hear the phrase, oh, if you want other people to love you, or if you want someone else's love, you know, like a husband or wife or spouse, um, you need to love yourself first. And it's one of those lessons that like you hear and you, you parrot fashion, repeat it, but you don't really know it until you know it. This was the moment that I realized it. This was the moment I knew that I needed to love me first. But in order to do that, I had to be vulnerable with myself. And that meant I needed silence. I needed like a second to breathe and just be in a space by myself, alone, figuring out where my two-year-old went and what made her happy and what gave her joy. So I had to retreat and do it in secret. Like that was the only way I was going to have enough space and mental headroom to allow myself to be truly free and to let that two-year-old out again. So genuinely, right up until I handed that book off to the editor, I really, really genuinely thought I would always keep this pen name secret. That was my plan. I had, you know, created marketing systems around it that was going to be that way. And then there was a shift. So I don't know if you guys experience this, but there is a moment of separation. And I think this is why people talk about um, books as giving birth, because it's that um, that process of separating your creative artwork from you. That moment for me is the moment I hand it off to an editor and it stops being my piece of art and it starts being a product. Um, and it's that's a shift in my brain. And in that shift, I realized that I was free. I'd done it. I'd written something that was totally fucking me, totally fucking free of influence and was just just a thing that I wanted to do. And I didn't give a shit, you know, like what the consequences were. I just needed to write that thing and I'd done it. So I felt lighter. I felt freer. I felt happier. And, you know, this book that I have written is 
rammed with competition. It's rammed with swearing. It's got dark characters and steam. Like, I have written some steam, baby. And you know what? I fucking loved it. I loved it. I fucking loved it. I still love it. I love this book. And like, if you have been around for any amount of time, you will know that I never talk about my books like this. I'm always riddled with doubt and I'm riddled with fear. And do you know, I fully expect come a couple of weeks out from the launch, I will start to get the jitters. But I feel different about this book because I wrote it for me. I literally just wrote it for me. And I love it. And I still love it. So it kind of doesn't matter what happens now. You know, obviously, I would love for it to make some money. But I'm just so fucking happy that I wrote this book. And I want to write more books like this. And I'm going to. That is literally what I'm going to do. So, you know, and one last thing, this book is meant to be pure escapism. It's fun. It's not a literary masterpiece and it's not fucking meant to be. This book is meant to be one of those books that just whisks you away, keeps you gripped to the fucking pages and like make you swoon and sigh and grin and just like in like sheepish delight because that is what I did when I wrote it. Which leads me to the reveal. I am keeping the pen name because I think I need that pen name to be able to access that part of myself. It's almost like getting dressed into a costume before you go on stage or like it's permission. It, the, the name is the permission I need to access that part of myself. So my new pen name is Ruby Row. And I'm gonna, um, so what, like, let me tell you about the name. So first of all, I chose Ruby because it's like, I don't know why, but it's a name that I have seen in the um, suffix sphere a lot. Um, and the reason I chose Ro is because it's my stepfather's surname. And he has been encouraging me tirelessly to write naughty books, as he calls it, because um, they sell. And so it's a nod to him. The book is called A Game of Hearts and Heists, and this is the blurb. Two enemies, one goal, steal each other's hearts. Scarlet Grey, disgraced assassin, is determined to get revenge. Quinn Adams, medic turned poisoner for hire, is her deadliest rival. For years, they've stolen each other's clients, sabotaged each other's businesses, and occasionally slept together. When the Magician Queen offers an irresistible deal, Scarlet and Quinn are forced to work together. But this is not a simple job. With an impossible heist ahead, they're going to have to trust each other. And that's not easy when they both have secrets to hide. Harder still when those secrets will betray the ones they love. Now, neither woman is sure if it's a heist they want to win or a heart. Two women, two deadly professions, and a romance that could be their downfall. So, this is a steamy lesbian fantasy romance with enemies to lovers, a heist, found family, a secret royal, babes on bikes, and of course, only one bed. Oh, and the if you touch her, you die. Oh, I fucking love all of the tropes. They're like all my favorite things. I'm so excited to share this with you. Um, so if you read fantasy romance, I'm sorry, I've probably just blown the speakers. 
I apologize everyone. Actually, I don't. I, I do not apologize. I'm so fucking excited. Um, but if you read fantasy romance and you don't mind that this is a lesbian romance, then I want to hear from you. I am officially recruiting uh, street team and advanced readers uh, because this is a whole new genre, a whole new mailing list, a whole new everything. So I am in need of help to launch this puppy. So if this sounds like the sort of thing that you would like to read and you'd be happy to read an uh, advanced copy in exchange for a review, or you'd like to be part of the street team, please let me know. You can uh, either email my new account, which is ruby at rubyrow.co.uk, or you can DM me, or you can email my normal Sasha account, whatever you want, uh, get in touch. And the other thing to say is, if you like the sound of the book, <laughs> I'm so excited, I can't even with myself. If you like the sound of the book, it is on pre-order. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's coming out on February 10th. And um, yeah, it's it's coming, baby. It is coming. Uh, uh, literally. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Oh my God. That was poor. That was poor. I will never do that again. Um, okay, so it is going to be launched on February the 10th. It's on pre-order at the moment. We've only got the ebook. I'm just waiting for the final hardback and uh, paperback covers, but they will be coming later too. Um, and yeah, so that's it. This is my secret. This is also the book recommendation for the week. <laughs> Obviously, please go buy this book. Um, but this is me. No more secrets. No more hiding. Um, yeah, this is, this is where we're at. All right. I think it's probably time I stop squealing my tits off and <laughs> we get on with the episode. I did warn you this was going to be a long intro. In terms of very quickly summarizing where I'm at, I have been doing lots of marketing and setup in the background. I have created a TikTok and a Instagram for Ruby Row. I don't know which one I'm going to be doing yet. Um, and I've been doing lots of research, uh, sent the book off to the editor, all of that kind of good stuff. I'm not going to go into too much now. The two things that I'm going to be doing before we end for the year are finishing up the warm reader magnet for the back of the book and then outlining a novella for cold readers and uh, book two. And then no doubt I'm going to be <laughs> scrambling over Christmas to create uh, marketing schedules and applying for promos and all the rest of it. Uh, so yeah, okay, let, oh, and of course, the anatomy of a bestseller audiobook. Uh, the master has it, he's back from holiday, he's been working on it, I'm very, very excited. Um, he's done some whizzy stuff with it and the audio quality is fucking exceptional. I'm super excited to share this one with you. Uh, it will now not go out until the beginning of the year, but it is going to go live in January. Well, ha, ha, ha. as long as the ACX gods allow it to go through the system, it will go live in January. Um, I will sort of push it through the system over Christmas. Uh, so, yes. Okay. So the rebel of the week this week is Sam Ross. Sam says, I play board games as a hobby. Big, elaborate ones that take 10 hours to finish. 10 hours! And have a half dozen participants all vying for victory. Victory. It's a fun hobby. There's a surprisingly large and engaging community of gamers. And the competitive element of tournaments and events also speaks to me on a very deep level. I get it, honey. I get it. One of my favourite board games is Twilight Imperium. However, uh, it's had some trouble lately. Uh, the community has gone soft. Soft? 
This is a game where scarce resources are meant to be fought over, but the competitive community has gotten so big and everyone likes each other so much that a new style of play has embedded itself in the minds of players where people, ugh, help each other. What the? This is, you can't help each other in a competition. The phenomenon, I mean, you can help each other outside the competition, obviously, but when you are competing, you fight to the fucking death. This phenomenon, known as the, flo uh, the boat floating, where an... Polite economic focused play causes a riding rising tide that floats all boats, meaning everyone scores a lot of points and gets close to the finish line together before one, pa one person passes it. This play style makes sense. It has a lot of analysis behind it and great players who swear by it, but it's so boring. I completely agree. I play this game to fight other players, to conquer planets, to blow up ships and armies. Oh God, I like the sound of this game. I don't play this uh, to be a farmer, even if that means I get more points on average. So last month, I took matters into my own hands. I already love this fucking rebellion. Uh, to correct the community, spoken like a true villain, uh, and point it back towards the blood sport. Oh, I'm getting, I fucking love this story. Uh, that this game was always meant to be. Spending almost 10,000 words of my nano word count, I wrote and edited a player's guide on how to win at the game by being the most vicious, bloodthirsty player you can be. Oh! <laughs> I fucking love this. <sighs> and then published this to community on their official strategies, forums, and tournament circuit. While most of the other players rolled their eyes and thought this was a joke, I'm already hearing back from others that have taken my advice and started attacks <laughs> in their games for plunder and conquest. You fucking evil genius, this is brilliant. I fucking love this rebellion. Oh, completely contrary to the established boat float metagame and are finding great success with it. What a fucking surprise! <laughs> it warms my cold heart. Me too, baby, me too. That my fellow players are reading my words and throwing <laughs> Molotov cocktails <laughs> the peaceful plans of their competition. in ages this is fucking dastardly genius i love this sam thank you so so much for sending this rebellion in if you would like to be an evil rebel of the week <laughs> please do send in your story it can be any kind of rebellion it can be a nice one okay it's just that this one made me cackle like a fucking witch you can email your rebel story to becca over on rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, and, and don't forget, there can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. And thank you to Olivia Bedford, who has joined at the Rebel Readers Masterclass level. I'm super excited to welcome you into the fold. Um, and of course, a giant thank you to all of my existing patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, as well as bonus content and sneak peeks and exclusive news. So my patrons heard about this um, uh, pen name reveal almost a week ago actually as this goes out so yeah if you want to be in the know and get all the gossip first then you can from as little as two dollars a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash sasha black 
This episode is sponsored by Kobo Writing Life. Kobo Writing Life is Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors and their team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With people embracing digital reading more than ever before, Kobo wants to give authors an opportunity to let their books stand out with the Kobo Promotions tool. They post upcoming Kobo sales, many of which are exclusive to KWL authors, and they also offer lots of promos that don't require you to drop your price, so you don't need to worry about price matching across multiple retailers. If you're using free as a marketing strategy, you can also submit your books to be featured on Kobo's free page, which gets a ton of traffic. If you're a KWL author and don't yet have access to the promotions tool, email the team at writinglife@kobo.com and get you sorted. If you want to learn more about KWL, check out the blog. No, you can check out the Kobo Writing Life podcast available wherever you get your podcasts and connect with them on social. You can create your free account at kobo.com forward slash writing life. And I will just add one more thing. They have multiple uh, newsletters for different promotions. So they've got audio promotions, um, like library type promotions, and then an email that goes out to authors on their general promotions. If you email writinglifeatkobo.com, they can send you the link so that you can sign up to all three. I do recommend you do all three if you are wide, because there are a variety of deals, discounts, and promos that they send out. Okay, well, I told you episode 169 was going to be uh, a good one and that it was the, the, the fact that it's 69 was highly appropriate for this episode. I can't believe the serendipitous timing. However, after a fucking monstrous intro, uh, I think we should get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by Amelia Rose. With over 69 million online story views across two pen names, Amelia Rose is a USA Today best-selling author of Steamy Romance. She kicked off her writing career on Wattpad and began monetizing her writing through monthly subscriptions on Patreon. Within six months of writing, she fostered a community of readers who have helped propel her love for storytelling into a full-time career. Amelia is also the co-founder of Ream, an online subscription platform created for fiction authors. Hello and welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> you I'm are so excited. excited. No, I'm excited to talk to you because like you are everywhere at the moment and like <laughs> your journey is incredible and fascinating and like really empowering because you haven't done it the way that everybody else has done it. And I love that because one rebel and two, um, <laughs> I think we get very stuck hearing the same stories and mm -hmm. thinking that there's only one way to do something. And I just don't believe that that's true. So that's why I was so excited that you said yes to coming on the podcast. Um, so before we dive into questions about uh, um, subscriptions and memberships and, and all of that stuff, I wondered if you could go into a little bit more detail about your journey. Like how how did you get here? Like what, what is your story? <laughs> um, so yeah, um, it's kind of, Kind of normal, I guess. My story, I started um, reading when I was very young. And my I remember um, my I would grab like a stack of 10 books for my mom to read to me every single night. And my love for reading just continued into my like teens. And I started writing, like dabbling in writing and mostly on Wattpad. Um, that's where I, I did all my werewolf smut reading. 
Um, and so I started writing. Um, and when I got to college, I stopped for a period just because I wanted to focus on my studies. Um, but I really needed something after a while to kind of pick me back up and something I could do just to relax. And so I started writing again and posting on Wattpad. Um, and my story, my first story that I posted was werewolf romance and it became very, very popular very quickly. I was getting about like a million story views every single week, which was insane. I was wow. like, oh my gosh. And for the longest time, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, um, he was like, you should monetize it. You should post it on Amazon. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that because like, I felt bad. <laughs> that was like my main thing. Like I was giving the story away for free and I wanted those readers who started reading the story to be able to finish it. Um, and so I was like, or he was like, well, why don't you start a Patreon and you can own uh, like, um, you can offer bonus content. And I was like still on the fence, um, but I started a Patreon instead and did early early access instead of bonus content. Um, and my first Patreon didn't really do too well because I don't, I don't know the reason. So I started a new brand. So I was doing my Amelia Rose stuff. Um, I started a new Wattpad and a new Patreon at the same time and it kind of exploded both my Wattpad and my Patreon at kind of um, same time-ish. And then I just started expanding from there. So, so I did not know. No, but th this is incredible because I already, I've learned more stuff because I didn't realize this was your second Patreon and second Wattpad. Yeah. So were you able to bring any of the original readers across or? Um, honestly, <laughs> A, a, a few of them. Um, a lot of people found me through both names. And then I told them that I was the same person and they were like, no way, like you're the same person. Cause my first account, it wasn't spicy. Like I was writing strictly like clean -er romance. Um, it's still like alluded to sexy time. Um, but um, my Amelia Rose brand does a lot more. Like there's explicit sex throughout the entire story um and that's what people i think like um at least the readers who i found on wattpad um and who are who are supporting me on patreon um so yeah sort of <laughs> this is incredible i think i'm gonna have to ask you like one craft question about writing steam but i'll do that at the end okay. Um, okay can you tell everyone how your patreon works what is the kind of content you give them? How regularly do you publish? How much are you publishing? Like how, how does your system work? Yeah. So I'll actually start from Wattpad because it kind of starts there. Um, when I first started publishing, I would publish a chapter on Wattpad and then I published a extra chapter on my Patreon or through my subscription. Um, and it's kind of, I kind of funnel Overall, I funnel people from Wattpad into Patreon, um, promising early access and delivering early access to more content, um, basically through like a cliffhanger. Um, so I write the chapter on Wattpad. I have a cliffhanger at the very end. Um, it makes people really, really want to read what's next because they don't want to wait a week, which is my usual updating schedule. Um, I publish, publish one chapter a week on Wattpad. Um, 
but I wouldn't want to wait a week if I was do if I was reading the story. Um, so at the very end, I have like a little author's note that basically says, Hey, if you want to read the next chapter, you can get early access if you join my Patreon. Um, and so that's basically how, like very broadly how my Patreon works. Um, it's mostly offering early access. Um, I have dabbled in bonus content, but it doesn't seem to work as well, at least for my brand. Um, people rather have more of the stories and more stories that I, that I can produce for them. Um, but basically I give chapters on my Patreon that are pretty much like each chapter is like a thousand words. So pretty short. Um, they all have cliffhangers or I try to give them cliffhangers and I publish, um, when I started, I was publishing like one to two extra chapters a week on my Patreon. Um, but now since I become full time, I publish a lot more. I'm working on three different stories at the same time. <laughs> so, and I publish anywhere between like one to three chapters per week for each story. That is a lot. So up to nine chapters a week. So up to 9,000 words a week. Yes. Ah, <laughs> okay. I don't think I don't think you have to do it that way because I've seen other people who do early, early access who only offer one extra chapter a week, um, which I assume would be a little bit longer, maybe like three thousand words max. Um, but so, I so have writing, so much time. <laughs> but you, so you're writing three stories concurrently. Yeah. My <laughs> brain, <laughs> like exploding! Oh my god! So and and so. I just need a hot second. So these, oh, you're good. these yeah, these three stories, um, are they in different series? Please tell me they're in different yes. series. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. they're in different All series. Right. Okay, that's slightly <laughs> that is slightly easier to to and so but are they all like werewolfy or no. Oh, okay, so okay. I've expanded a lot more based on on based on Patreon feedback and my, su my supporters feedback, and they wanted me to expand out into contemporary romance. So I'm mm -hmm. doing that as well. So right now I have a contemporary, a, which is like set in high school, um, or academy setting, um, a werewolf paranormal story. And then I also have like an extra fun story that I do. So I'm just finishing up a mafia menage story on the, I, the third day. I love it. I love it. So these so for each one of these books that you're essentially writing like say week one you post chapter one let's just keep it simple for me for my non-math yeah. brain <laughs> so week one you post chapter one of all three stories week two you post chapter two of all three stories but on day one of week two, you're also posting chapter one to Wattpad. Is that kind of how? Yeah. Okay. Basically. So yeah, I'll publish first on my subscription or on my Patreon. Um, and then the, the next week, um, I'll post that chapter as free on Wattpad or any other free website that I use. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Oh my goodness me. So do you have like 7,000 Gantt char charts to like <laughs> keep it all? Cause I would like, <laughs> I would be a mess. I have a Gantt chart right here. This is literally, I literally can't cope. Like and I'm only working on two things that are in two different drafts. So like, <laughs> you're amazing. Um, oh. Okay. So can you explain 
the journey that your book takes. You've mentioned the Patreon bit and you've mentioned mm-hmm. the Wattpad. But yes. am I the I I mean I know I'm right in thinking this, but they're first drafts, aren't they? So yes. like what what is the full journey? How does your book get to publication? So like are there mm-hmm. Other iterations? Um, are you are you pub- you are publishing, aren't you? As well, not yes. not just yeah. Okay, so talk talk to me about the the back end of it once it's been published yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So basically, once the book has been published and completed on Wattpad and Patreon, I get feedback. Basically, I look at some of the comments that I've received throughout the entire time I published um, based on the story and. If the book needs to be revised, then I'll revise it based off of those comments. Um, But when I started, I would like hardcore go in and edit it like three times. But I just, I don't really have time for that. One and two, I don't really have any desire to go back and like really harsh edit um, an entire book once I finish it. Because as I'm updating through Patreon, I'm constantly getting that feedback on where the story needs to go in order to please my readers. And so the book, once it's once it's pretty much done, it's like in a place that readers actually want to read it. So I don't really have to go back and revise it that much. I really just send it to my editor and I say like, do like copy edits, do basic edits. Um, she'll send it back to me. We'll go through another round of proofreading. And then it goes off to Amazon, um, all the other retailers because I'm wide. And I also put it on Radish as well. Okay. I have no no idea what Radish is. <laughs> no. I don't like a whole, is it, is it, what, what is, is it like Wattpad? Radish is like Kindle Vela. Do you know what Kindle oh, Vela okay, is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Serial, serialized. Yeah, so it's serialized. Okay. Oh, this is just so fascinating to me. And... So do you, when you're drafting, so I know that you write into the dark, you don't outline, do you? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be fair. Like I have, I will show you for listeners. I am showing um, a A3 piece of paper with some post-its on it. And that is the extent, that's a whole book there. That's the extent of it. I don't do anything else other than that. Like that is my outline. Um, So it's not like I have loads and loads, Mm -hmm. but also I I have to, I have like a sentence. Like (laughs) (laughs) otherwise I just would like, yeah, I don't know. But what fascinates me is, so here's the thing about what I'm doing now is I'm writing under a secret pen name. Mm-hmm. And I am not sure how much feedback I want um, mm-hmm. because I want to write what I want to write and I just want to release it. But also yeah. I don't want to put crap out. So like I will do some rounds of beatering like on the early books, but then I'm moving more towards the, the point where I'm like, well, I know what I want to write. And if it finds an audience, it finds an audience. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but so do you write really clean? Is that like? Um, I would say I write relatively clean. Like, even though I, I'm not outlining at all. Basically what I do is I write the book as if I'm reading it for the first time. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I leave off on a cliffhanger that I might not even know what's going to happen next when I write the cliffhanger, but I'm like, wow, I like want to write the next chapter because I want to find out what's going to happen next. Um, so I sort of write, I, I feel like I've 
written enough books to be able to write a lot cleaner compared to when I first started. So how do you, do you ever like come up with an idea that you needed to have seeded earlier? Um, not really. Okay. When so I that, first... That's the thing that blows my mind. Cause that's how I, unfortunately for me, that is how I write. And I'm like, cause I, I look at everybody doing like Vela and stuff like that. And I'm like, I want to write linearly. Like I want to do that. <laughs> but like, it doesn't happen. I like, like chaos for me. It's, it's like, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, and what happens is I will come up with an idea like 75% of the way through and then like I will have to go back and see it so I can't do what you're doing which is why I'm so deeply fascinated by it um so okay okay so I just want to ask you all of the questions and like be in your brain (laughs) to understand everything because I think this is amazing all right I'm gonna go back to my actual questions um which is uh one from one of my patrons Maggie who says did Patreon expand your fan base and help you find new readers or did you need the fan base in order to succeed on Patreon So um, Patreon specifically, they don't have um, any place where you can have discovery. So it's all your readers. Um, But with that being said, like when I started my Patreon, I pretty much started it when I started my Wattpad. So I didn't have that many readers um, to begin with. And it kind of grew as I grew. And as a lot of times, like, people are very hesitant to join a subscription just because like it's a monthly commitment and they don't know if they might not trust you yet. Um, especially if you're like a new to them author. Um, but when they see like a bunch of people, like even like five people or even like one person who's already joined your, your subscription, it kind of like builds a little bit of trust with them. Um, so you don't have to have a huge fan base for it to work, but Patreon specifically doesn't provide discovery at all. Yeah. They actually like um hinder if you're not safe for work, they will like hinder you. Like they'll <laughs> they'll stop people from trying to find you. And it's it sucks a lot. Yeah, like it is actually quite difficult. Like, cause obviously I went to try and find you and I was like, what the f-? like you actually really yeah. have to, yeah. Like it's I know. And, and there's another Amelia Rose on there as well who who came and I was like, what is going on? Who is it? Like I was trying to find yeah. you. <laughs> um Yeah. Okay. So Thinking, just kind of moving a little bit back to like the processes and the systems that regardless of like how many words you write a week, writing across three stories is quite a lot. So mm-hmm. do you have systems in place? Because obviously you you have to do this consistently and not miss a day, not miss a week. So like what mm-hmm. are your systems in place to kind of help you do that? What do you ever get stuck? Do you have any like unblocking systems? Like what how do you make sure that you deliver week on week on week on week? Um, it, that's a really good question. And my answer is probably not gonna be a good one because I don't really have any systems. <laughs> um I like I make sure I get things done the day they need to be, at least the day they need to be done. So I have like, like on Mondays, I have a werewolf story that needs to be written. So I will make sure on Sunday or Monday, I write that story and nothing else. Um, Or you do it on the day. Sometimes I do. If I'm procrastinating, I do it on the day, but I try to be ahead by a couple of weeks. 
Oh, okay. Um, okay. Oh my God. I'm literally having heart failure over here. But... <laughs> no, 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 no. Like I, can... I will try to get, a, I'll try to get ahead. Um, Sometimes it, I just like get lazy and I don't do it, which is bad. Um, do you but it... strengths? I, d- I haven't done it. I need to. If you ever do it, please drop me an email and tell me what you, <laughs> I will. What you have. I have theories here. <laughs> um uh, okay so okay so you do try to be in advance but also yeah yeah okay all right thinking about patreon itself do you have any advice on picking tier levels and what goes into them because i think the first time i came across you you didn't have as many tiers as you have now um so i yeah i just wondered like what sh- how do you know what to put into your tiers and what is a good offer um and like how often should you change them should you just keep them the same like how do you how do you make those decisions yeah so when i started on my first patreon which didn't work out um i had a $1 tier that's where i started um and for me it wasn't really doing much for me like i had people i might have had like a hundred or 200 people who are supporting me. But if you're supporting somebody at a $1 level, they don't really receive that much of it. And like I was getting maybe a hundred dollars a month or um, something, something like that. And it wasn't worth it. And I would say, don't, I would say price your lowest tier at $5. Cause even on my Amelia Rose Patreon, I started at $3 and I had a lot of people in the $3 tier, but I recently just um, retired that tier. So nobody else can join it. Um, and I feel like $5 is a good amount. Like $5 is like a a coffee at Starbucks for the entire month. And you get access to that. Um, so I would say start at $5 a month and start with only, I would say only three levels, um, or three tiers. Once you go anything like above that, it becomes kind of confusing at first, especially if you're very new to subscriptions. Um, so make it very easy on yourself. And what you put in the tier really depends on the content that you're offering. So if you're offering bonus content, it's going to be a little different than if you're offering early access. Um, And what I've found, I'll only speak on early access because it's what I'm most familiar with. Um, A lot of people are doing who do early access on their Patreon or through their subscription are basically doing if you join their first tier, you get one extra chapter. If you join their second tier, their second lowest sort of like say it's a $10 tier you get two extra chapters a week and then maybe like a $15 tier you get three extra chapters ahead not a week ahead of the free release schedule if that makes sense it does Um, but that would get very confusing to someone like me who like I would I would fuck that up basically (laughs) I would definitely fuck that up (laughs) it's like you have to it does take a while to like um really try to get it down. Uh, I know right now I'm updating. So I'm updating three stories and I just actually opened another Patreon for I'm, I'm publishing a graphic novel too. Um, and so I'm all over the place right now. So I'm trying to get, get a good schedule going, but with the early. Okay. And so, but then that means you have to be three chapters ahead. Yeah. But that also means you only have to publish one chapter a week. So like you're only, so the third tier is three chapters ahead. 
Um, but then you publish just one chapter a week to tier three and you'll kind of bump the others down. Does that make sense? I'm sure it does. It gets but conf- I am so it gets shit with numbers, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier to like write it down and, sh- yeah. and show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm not a great explainer. So. <laughs> no, it's me. It's me. I'm like, this is why everyone's gonna be laughing. So like I have this really bad habit of like in the intros, I'll be like, oh, and three tips this, or like, and then I'll start counting and then I'll get to two and I'll be like, wait. It was just what two. was I on? <laughs> like it's not, is that and I have a master's in research, so I had to be good at statistics. <laughs> Who fucking let me near the numbers? I do not know. But anyway, um okay, so we've we've talked about the tiers and we've talked about um like the kind of systems and Patreon as a uh, as a uh, piece of software, I suppose. What do you think are the key ways to promote and grow your subscription platform? Yeah, so I've actually tested this a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure when I started, I'm not positive because it's been a long time, but I think I tried advertising it, um, like with paid advertising, that didn't work. Um, and I also tried doing advertising on social media and that didn't work as well. Um, and because and I think it didn't work because my content on Patreon is early access. So if it was bonus content, I think like maybe artwork, I think promoting it on social media would do very, very well. Um, but mine's early access. So it the way I promote it is at the bottom of my free chapters. So through Wattpad, I'll put a little author's note and say like, hey, you could read this, the rest the rest of the story or or some early chapters on Patreon, but I'll also do the same thing through my newsletter too. I might drop a chapter at the end of my newsletter, um, have them read it and click, have like a button at the bottom that says read the rest on Patreon now. And your newsletter, they that will be patrons and normal book buyers who found you through. Yes. And so do you still advertise and market like the books on um, Amazon and wide, or do you find that your funnel from Patreon? So, like, do your patron patrons then go and buy the books as well, or is that a different the, audience buying the books? So it's kind of both. Like, I provide the rough draft through Patreon, and then a week before I publish it, like publish, publish, I provide them with uh, an advanced copy. So, like, very clean, edited, um, and revised. And some people message me and they're like, oh, thanks for this. But I already pre-ordered it. I already, I was, uh, it just like blows my mind. I'm like, you, I literally told you guys I was going to give this to you and you pre-ordered it anyway. That's thank you. Like, that's really cool. And I'm really happy and appreciate your support. Um, and some people will actually buy the paperbacks and hardbacks as well. Um, but I have done some paid Facebook ads I honestly don't market that much um, just because I'm all over the place. Like my books are in so many different areas. It's hard um, for me to manage all that by myself. So if I do do paid advertising, I work with other people to advertise it for me Mm -hmm. um, and manage those accounts. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Also, you have a gigantic Patreon, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's going to take a lot of time to to manage um as a well it's a business essentially um mm-hmm. okay you have a very engaged community 
How did you do that? How did you build it? Like, what are some of the tips and techniques that you use to really like foster that community feeling and engagement level? Yeah. Um, so this is something I started on Wattpad, um, on both of my Wattpads that I had, um, that I feel like really helped me grow. So I would always put author notes at the very end of my chapters that were very personalized. And they were like, what do you think about this chapter? What do you think is going to happen next? Um, who do you think did it or like stuff like that. And then I'll ask them to comment in like the comment section and they, they would. Um, but then once they comment, I would respond when I, when I started, I had a lot of time. So I would respond to every single comment and I'd go in and message people like privately. And I'd be like, thank you for reading my book. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any feedback. And so I did that on both my web pads and they kind of exploded um, and I try to do that on Patreon too. It's very hard um, because there's a lot of people um, to manage and I can't talk to everyone. Um, so right now I have an assistant doing some of that as well. Um, but I I want to say like that does work because I just, like I mentioned before, I literally just started a second Patreon for my graphic novel like two days ago. Um, and I posted the first chapter on Webtoons and at the end of the chapter, I did an author's note and basically say like, how do you, how do you like this comments? Um, and people, I had like 26 comments by the end of at least the last time I checked. So a few hours ago, um, and I responded to every single one and I like their comments and it's really just trying to like, let your readers know that you see them, that you like, and you appreciate them reading your book. And yeah, so that that's like my main main thing I've done. Do you still like let them influence the direction the book will go? Yeah. So like, for example, if somebody's like, oh, I really hope this happens. Do you make sure that happens or do you put a twist on it? Like, how does that? Um, so if you don't I, want to be predictable either, right? Like, yeah. If I see a lot of people are commenting that they don't like something, then I'll switch it. Like, I'll definitely switch it. Um but sometimes people will comment and they're like, wow, I think this would be cool if this happened. And I haven't even thought about something like that happening. Um, and so I'll start thinking like, okay, so what if this did happen? And I guess like my imagination like takes it from there. And sometimes it will, will go that way. And sometimes it will, it will go in a different way that my readers love anyway. So. Amazing. Um, are there any mistakes that you see authors making with Patreon or subscription, like subscriptions and memberships in general? Um, so I think it's like, there's a few. Um, one, I would say giving up too early. Like a lot of people, like it takes a long time to build a subscription and build trust with your readers. Um, and a lot of people think that just because you have a huge fan base, that means you're going to be super successful in subscriptions when that might not necessarily be the case. Um, it's a lot different. Like having people on your subscription is a lot different than selling a book. Like you're selling access to monthly content that you need, to, like things you need to provide monthly. It's not just like a one-off, like buy my $4.99 ebook, which is like, it's it's completely fine to do it either way and to do it both at the same time, but it's just a different way of thinking. Um, 
And I feel like a lot of smaller authors kind of could get very discouraged um, when they see like bigger accounts um, and bigger authors trying subscriptions as well. And they think like it won't work for them. Um, but I don't consider myself like a huge, a huge author. Um, and it worked for me. So that's one of the big mistakes I sort of see people make is trying to do a subscription with the same mindset as selling individual eBooks. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's definitely, there's definitely like a level of consistency, I think required with subscriptions and that like that, would it definitely leans towards people who are more consistent i have seen people doing like so i do a quarterly workshop um we do we have the rebel readers masterclass and every quarter we read a book together or two books and then i deconstruct the book and take out all the lessons all the tools that the author's done and it's like usually based on a theme so like we've done an enemies to lovers we've done like a fantasy and like world building we've done um a romance we've done you know so we've like and we pick out all of the tools and tricks and things and and but actually I've seen people doing monthly stuff and I'm like oh like how like that's a lot of like how do you do that like and but I'm like actually well maybe that is quite you know but so and then obviously I see your method which is like with with the literally writing the book through Patreon which is like incredible (laughs) that one I know I can't do um but it's still I mean I could because I could write the book first and then release it um so again like it's all about thinking differently right think outside the box yes. just, yeah you know don't yeah. don't hem yourself in um I don't even know where I'm going with this <laughs> what I'm talking about I just find it all so interesting um all right so I want to ask a little bit about craft because you've mentioned cliffhangers a lot so Hit me with like your best advice, your best cliffhangers. Like how how do you create them? What kinds of cliffhangers do you use? Like any advice for like not letting the cliffhanger fall flat, basically? Yeah, this is a good one. Um, so like I said before, I write how I like as if I were reading it for the first time. So I can usually how I write cliffhangers is um, I'll start writing a scene and I'll come to like the climax of that scene, but like right before the climax and then I'll cut it. Like I'll cut the chapter right there. And so like something huge could be about to happen. Like he might like the male or the main male character might be like about to kiss the girl, but then I'll cut it Um and have that for the next chapter. So it's like, it's like building up throughout the chapter. And then once it gets to like really high tension, it's just like, no, it's over. And you have to read, you have to read the next chapter to find out what happens. But then by the time they read the next chapter, they're kind of sucked in already. And then I write the thousand words and leave it off on another cliffhanger. And they're like, oh, I need to read the next chapter. And so it's like a, it's like a cycle. That is so interesting because that is not, how I have ever heard a cliffhanger done before, which is fantastic. (laughs) So I love the fact that this is completely new information to me because usually you're like, oh yeah, like you get, you'll get like the will they won't they and it will cut before, like it will cut almost earlier than what you're saying. 
or they will kiss and then somebody walks in or the ex arrives or the, you know, like, and so, and that's mm-hmm. where the cliffhanger happens. It sort of happens afterwards. So that's really interesting that you, so you literally shear off the scene right as they're like about, look at me, like leaning into the camera, like, right, they're about to smooch. Oh my God, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I like need a minute to like sit and oh, yeah. sit in that. That's like, that's <laughs> as long as you need. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my, oh my God. Like, I don't want this podcast to end. I've got so many questions. <laughs> um, this is incredible. So I feel like I have another question that I want to ask on this. Oh yeah. The, the steam. Let me ask about, um, steam how like so a lot of authors are afraid of writing smart i fucking mm-hmm. love a bit of smart and i love writing oh, it and i love reading it i love i love reading it i only discovered smart like last year and now i'm no. like that's all yeah, seriously i'm not even joking i'm like that's <laughs> all i want to read now um and if it's queer even better but um so well, like but also I know that a lot of writers are afraid of writing it because, you know, there are words they don't want to use or words that you shouldn't use, or like you can tip very quickly into cheesy, cliche, cringy sex scenes. So like, how do you craft a good steamy smut scene? Oh, that's a really good question too. Um, So (laughs) I get my, a lot of my inspiration from other sources. um whether that be like visual sources or videos um so I yeah so I take a lot of my inspiration from different sources of media um and I will use that as like in my story as basically like what I want to see kind of happen with my characters um what I'll do actually I also write along with the the short story or the chapters every week, I write a 1000 word short story and it's just sex. Um, It's literally just a scene of sex every single week. And it's really helped me become more comfortable in the stuff I write and become better at writing sex scenes. And it sounds like a lot, but it's really fun because I can like do and write whatever I want to write. And People who I, I'll post it on my Patreon. Some people won't like everything I, I write, um, but it really helps kind of drive my imagination. Um, but it also like helps kind of get me comfortable with certain things and certain um, elements and kinks. Things I like, It's it also helps me test a lot. So like I recently wrote where this was a while ago, um, a story, a short story that had like weapon play in it. And it's something I'd never done before. And I was like, oh, so let's see, like maybe my supporters were like this, but I thought it was really, I thought it was really hot and sexy. And so I posted it and I was like surprised. I was, everyone was like, oh my gosh, like you need to write this story. Um, But then I'll write stories that I really, really enjoy. Like I want to write more of it and I'll like, it will fall flat. No. And so- (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like, no, like, this is my favorite ones. Why don't you guys like them? Um, but I think it's a lot of it is just practicing. Um, and like over time, I've found that I've become more comfortable with certain words too. Like when I started, I really did not like the word cunt at all. <laughs> I hated that word so much. I read um, I, I read a lesbian uh, novella recently and 
there were so many C-bombs. I was like, I like, <laughs> and I will use that word. Like I haven't dropped a C-bomb on this podcast yet. However, oh, sorry. I, no, 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 no. Uh, my guests okay. have, my guests have. Okay. I just haven't. Uh, pure, And I don't know why, because I use it frequently in day to day. So I don't know why I haven't dropped it. Anyway, but I, there were so many C-bombs in this book. I was like, I like it, I almost <laughs> numbed to it and I'd never read a book with it in there and I love it like most of you always hit you know it's like like clear and core and apex and you know whatever else mm-hmm. you always sex you see my sex or their sex or whatever you see that um like a lot but yeah I hadn't read a book with the seed bomb in it and so I was like oh wow like I think I like it like I think yeah. I'm gonna use it too you know <laughs> I actually found that like I do not like writing like flower flowery language in my sex scenes. I like the explicit like mm-hmm. hardcore words and it mm-hmm. makes it more real and it's like more raw, which are, my characters are very like raw and very like alpha-y. So yeah, it makes it more real, at least for me. Uh, I love it. So um, what was my, oh yeah. How, so your sources of inf- inspiration. So do you, I take it you read a lot of, um like competition not competition what are they comparison authors and stuff actually I I don't really read a lot while I'm in like a good writing phase okay um I watch a lot of like I listen to a lot of music and I watch a lot of anime (laughs) um and I find that like and I actually a lot of the stuff I do read and watch are not romance at all so interesting Um, and so yeah I don't know it's like everyone gives advice that you should read a lot but I like to just consume stories in general because like I don't want to be stuck in I'm just publishing books I want to like create a story and create a world for people to live in and whether that be in like written form or graphic novel or animation like I want people to live in a story and I don't necessarily think you have to to read read like books um like novels in order to like get that inspiration and get a feel of how a story should be created so I do watch a lot of a lot of stories um through anime and just Netflix and stuff like that I love this so much. This is this has genuinely been one of the most interesting episodes for me because it's so different to everything that I've experienced. So I absolutely love this. Um, so what like just one last very easy question. So you're writing three books concurrently. So how many books do you publish a year? Like how long are your books generally? Um, yeah. So my books are about 80,000 words. Some are a lot longer. Um, I think my longest book is like 216,000. Yeah, it was really long. I don't know why it went on so long, Um, but it was fun to write. Um, But I have a backlog of books that I haven't published yet that are just like waiting for me to publish um, because I didn't start actually publishing on Amazon right away, like right when I started writing. So this year I published eight books next year. I'm probably going to publish about eight books as well. Um, but that probably will drop down to like four books the next year, just because this backlog is just built up for so long. Um, so yeah, it's within that range. Yeah. Yeah. Four to eight. 
Okay, amazing. I'm very sad that we have come to the end of this podcast. However, (laughs) this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel. Oh, so I am not a rebel at all. I'm <laughs> like the definition of like good girl, sort of, but good girl who writes smut. Yeah, um, <laughs> good girl writing bad, bad boys. Bad things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess when I started, um, when I started writing and publishing through Patreon, I um, was still in college and I was planning on going to grad school Um And I was going to be like, I wanted to be a psychologist. So I wanted to get my doctorate and do all of that. Um, But I started making a full-time living off my writing while I was still in college. And I remember going home for Christmas break and talking to my parents about it. And they're very supportive of my writing now. Um, But then they were like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like you you wanted to become like a doctor um, of psychology. and I come from like a low income family. So like being creative and doing like anything creative um, as a job isn't really like, you don't really think you can. And so I remember my dad waiting until the very last moment to tell me it wasn't a good idea. And I got on the plane just like crying, like sobbing um, that I didn't think he would support me um, by doing it, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway. Like I'm going to write because I love writing and I'm going to publish because it's going well for me so far. So I hope it could just get better if I just do it full time. Um, And it it took off um, and they're very supportive of me now, but it took off in a way that is not really normal for for writers usually you go like the K- KU roots and publish like a book a month um so that's sort of rebelish no that's I think that's step. it is a big rebellion and funnily enough your story is quite similar to mine in that uh, I also was doing psychology and my mom very sensibly was like I think you should get a proper job you know like yeah. <laughs> you know blah 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 um and I just wanted to round off and I hope you don't mind me saying this because you are very open about it but you are a six-figure author because of Patreon aren't you so like yes. yeah which is absolutely fucking incredible so like it is just awe-inspiring so yeah I think that is um amazing oh I did have one last question how how long have you had your Patreon um I think I've had it since 2019 um so three three ish years now okay Amazing. Well, would you like to tell everyone where they can find out more about you, find your amazing Patreon um, and anything else that you would like to add? Yeah. So um, you can find my Patreon at patreon.com slash Amelia Rose writing. And then my website too is ameliaroserwriting.com. As for like professional side of things. I'm also working um, with uh, two amazing co-founders on Ream, which is sort of like Patreon, but for fiction authors. And it's going to be a lot more um, optimized than Patreon is right now. And yeah, so we're working on a bunch of different stuff on the back end, but we have a community right now that's called Subscriptions for Authors on Facebook. So if you want to learn more. And Ream is an extension of that. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. And of course, 
A giant thank you to all of the show's patrons and all of the show's listeners. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, then you can by uh, visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to Amelia Rose and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Next week, I am going to be joined by C.L. Polk to talk about feminist fiction for the final episode of this year. I do hope that you all have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah or whatever other festival or holiday or even summer on the beach that you are having uh, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening and sticking with me this year. You're all fucking amazing. We're all fucking amazing. And uh, here is to a banging 2020. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review.